The following is a presentation of Blackville Church of God. We hope you are blessed by this wonderful sermon brought to you by our lead pastor, Barry Peavy. Our worship times are Sunday morning at 11 a.m. and Sunday evening at 6 p.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30. We hope to see you join us soon here at The Ville for dynamic worship services. We have something available for the whole entire family. So come out and bring your family and enjoy worshiping God with us here at Blackville Church of God. But I want to bow our heads and we're going to begin with prayer today. And I have a very special message that the Lord has given me for today. And, uh, and I want you to help me pray. And I just want to go ahead and tell you. I want to go ahead and tell you that, that this morning even, uh, before Sunday school ever began, several of us, at different times between 9.30 and 10 o'clock this morning, we're on our knees praying for lost souls and praying that if you came to this service today and you weren't ready to meet Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of the Lord would touch your heart today and you would meet him and accept him as your Savior before you leave here. That's what things are about. That's what this day's about. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity of sharing the word of life this morning. We confess openly and honestly before you and all those assembled here that we realize that we're nothing without you today. Our limitations are many and our talents are few. But by your grace, we have been saved and we've been called. We embrace that today and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to touch me by the spirit that raised Christ from the dead and every person under the sound of my voice that the word of God may be preached, that Jesus Christ may be glorified, that the body may be edified, and we'll give the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to begin by reading this one verse of scripture. We're going to refer to many as the day goes on, but I want to share with you what David said in Psalm 142 and 4. He said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cried for my soul. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. Listen to me today. Sounds of battle were everywhere as a soft snow was falling. 11,000 men were encamped under the command of General George Washington at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. That winter of 1777 and 1778 was said to be a time that would never be forgotten. The sufferings of our forefathers in uniform, the cold, the starvation, the sickness, and the sacrifice literally hallowed this historic site for all Americans. The troops wintered in a rough, uninsulated log hut encampment and received very little food and clothing for an entire winter. General Washington had written several messages to his comrades and asked for supplies and reinforcements. His messages, however, were to no avail. He was paid no attention. And on December 23rd, 1777, just two days before Christmas, 
the founding father of our country, as he's known, General Washington, stood alone in the gathering gloom of the cold dark and wrote this message, and I quote, we have this day no less than 2,873 men in camp who are unfit for duty because they are barefooted and otherwise naked. He concluded these desperate words in his diary. Is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Get the picture. Evening rush traffic streamed out of Rochester, New York on Tuesday, November the 16th at 5.30 in the afternoon. Cars and trucks swung into a big interstate highway and picked up speed as it was the end of another routine workday. As the cars bore down on the interchange, a little girl appeared out of the falling darkness along the shoulder of the road. She was nearly naked, and some witnesses later would say that she was waving frantically as if trying to signal passing cars. A car along the shoulder of the road rather, was <coughs> excuse me, backing toward the little girl as she stood in fear. Police believe the motorist saw the last desperate plea for help by little Carmen Colon, age 10, but nobody stopped. Carmen was a Puerto Rican child abducted from her neighborhood only one hour earlier. Nobody had seen cared enough to give even a second glance. They were all, after, uh, after all, they were all in a hurry. They were just too busy. Two days later, Carmen's body was found in a ditch in a remote area only two miles away. Two little boys riding their bicycles spotted what they thought was a broken doll in a ditch. But the doll turned out to be Carmen. She was lying in mud, clad only in her sweater, socks, and shoes. An autopsy revealed she had been raped, strangled, and thrown out. A 10-year-old desperately trying to get somebody's attention, standing on the side of the road that day, and perhaps she was crying out, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Feel the hopelessness of a 28-year-old father of four children as he drives his automobile to the apex of the Sunshine Skyway Bridge in St. Petersburg, Florida. He was known as a brilliant young accountant, but he coolly stopped his car, opened the door, and stepped out to the railing of the bridge. Stepping on the rail, he never looked back as he leaped to his death in the waters below. A crumpled note was found in the front seat of his car, a poem he had scrawled down only a few moments before his death. And here's what it read. I am standing on the threshold of eternity at last, as reckless of the future as I have been of the past. I am void of all ambition. I am dead of every hope. The toils of life are ending. I'm letting go the rope. This man's young widow was left alone with four lonely little children 
And it seems obvious that she would like to know, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Look at that 16-year-old high school junior who is unmarried and pregnant. In her feeble search for acceptance, she has tried everything she knows of, at least from where she comes. She's tried drugs, drinking, illicit sex, everything from her point of reality, but nothing has worked. Many from very different backgrounds have looked down their noses at her and said indignantly, what is this younger generation coming to? This girl is likely crying. I know I've blown it. I know I've messed up. But is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Look at that backslider. His hair tinged now with silver gray. His steps are becoming unsteady. He loved gold more than God. And now he has lost both God and gold. He's tasting the bitter regret of an absolutely wasted life. A life that represents only the disappointed hopes of what might have been. He's lonely and he's burdened and he's sick of sin. And he's searching for traces of concern in the faces of people that he knows. Perhaps those that are gathered in this building today. And he wants to know. Is anybody listening? Does anybody care? We all know these people. They live in our towns. We drive by their houses on our way to church on Sundays. A young father about to call it quits. A child being mistreated, molested, and in misery. A teenager who's pregnant out of wedlock a boy who knows how to father a child but doesn't know how to be a father. A person past the productive years who has come to nothing. Hey, let me tell you something today. Whether a person is a king, a princess, or a pauper, they need somebody to care about them. The words that we share with you today were penned by no other than David who was the king of God's people in Israel. No doubt he dropped a few tears the day that he wrote, I looked at my right hand and beheld, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me and no man cared for my soul. In his distress, David the king was asking, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Somebody may be here today that's asking those very questions. First of all, is anybody listening to me? So many times we would just like to know, does anybody actually hear us? Is anyone paying us the least bit of attention? When I was a child, they used to use the CB radio and say, does anybody have their ears on? Have our situations garnered any notice or concern by anybody else? The underlying question is somewhat the same as General Washington said that day. Do we really matter? Well, the fact is we really do matter. And according to the word of God, we have a compassionate listener who hears us. Way back in Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 and 23, 
God says specifically to those who have been left alone, do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. In Psalm 10 and 17, the Lord speaks to the afflicted and the discouraged. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. In Isaiah 59 and 1, to all who think they're just out of reach of where God can get to you. Let me tell you what the word of God says. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. In Psalm 116, 1 and 2, the Lord says to all of us, because we all need mercy, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. Psalm 34 and 15 says to every one of us who might feel forsaken when we stand up for the right in this unrighteous world. Let me tell you what the Lord says, church. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. Whenever I was growing up, we used to sing a song. It's pretty simply put, but the message is profoundly true. Somebody loves me, answers my prayers. I love somebody because I know he cares. Somebody tells me not to repine. That somebody is Jesus, and I know he's mine. Hallelujah. Hey, there is somebody listening to you today and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what he'll do. He stopped to hear the moans of a mother going to bury her son and raised that boy to life and handed him into his mother's arms. He listened to a confused court judge named Nicodemus late one night and explained to him about being born again. He listened to an adulterous woman thirsting for love at Jacob's well and after hearing her story, gave her a drink of living water. He heard the disappointed sobs of two sisters whose brother had died and through his own tear-stained eyes called their brother Lazarus out of the tomb. He heard the tired sighs of fishermen with empty nets and told them to cast on the right side and they caught hundreds. He heard the frustration of a disciple being done for taxes and told him to go catch a fish and look at his mouth and the disciple found all he needed there. He stopped where nobody else would, to hear the pleas of a blind man being hushed by the crowd and then made sure the man who would not be hushed would be healed. He hesitated to hear a lame man's story of being pushed away from Bethesda's healing pool and left him dancing without ever taking a dip. He listened to the repentant request of a dying thief and assured him that that day he would be with him in paradise. 
Jesus listened to the anguished prayer of a felling monk named Martin Luther and made him the father of the Reformation. He heard the prayers of a young explorer named Columbus who had no ships and no money and financed him to discover a new world. He listened to the cries of people under spiritual bondage to the Church of England and he gave them America, the home of freedom, to worship him as we see fit. Hallelujah. Oh, we had better believe that somebody is listening and that somebody is Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus hears you when you pray. Jesus hears you when you cry. Jesus hears you when you cry out to him and long for him and need his help. Not only do we ask, is anybody listening? But sometimes we ask, does anybody really care? Let me tell you the answer to this question. Yes, Jesus really cares. In fact, the reason he takes time to listen is because he cares. He's not trying to buy us with money to muzzle us, but rather to bless us with ministry to maximize us. He's not trying to put a Band-Aid on our dilemma just to hush us but he's offering a bomb for our difficulties that will heal us. Jesus will never patronize our problems, but he will genuinely partake of our pain. Jesus is a confidant that cares about our conflicts. Jesus is a friend that feels our fears. Jesus is a savior that senses our sorrows. Jesus is a brother who believes our battles. Hebrews 4 and 15 assures us that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Let me tell you something today. Jesus is not some Pollyanna prince who has never been pushed or proven. He was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves. He didn't die the death of a dignitary, but the execution of an enemy. Remember, Jesus died on the town garbage heap, so to speak, an area so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Jesus died at a place where cynics talked smut, thieves cursed, and soldiers gambled. This is where Jesus died, and this is what he died about. He cared so much that he did something about it. He put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. He put his affection into action. When he saw my misery, Jesus went into motion. When he saw our emptiness, Jesus got engaged. Perhaps today you relate best to Washington in a battle of life that you seem ill-equipped for. You feel your foes outnumber your friends. Your opposition is far greater than your opportunity. Your outlook is as dark and bleak as that dreadful day that Washington penned his words. Maybe you see yourself in the tragic story of this small Puerto Rican girl. Like her, you too were robbed of your innocence. And you too tried to run and flee. Flee from that abusive parent. 
Flee from that molesting family member. Flee from the addiction that enslaves you or the vice that grips you in its clutches. Only like little Carmen Cologne, you have no one to help you. Or you might understand better than most the plight of this 28-year-old father of four. You feel your failures far outnumber your successes. And no matter how hard you try and dig out of your pit, the dirt just keeps caving in again. You feel like you can't breathe anymore. And as you look back at your past, you see no hope for your future. You could relate best to the unwed and unwanted mother-to-be, not even over the shock of your situation nearly enough to face the road of responsibility that now lies ahead of you. Instead of being recognized for the person you are, everyone around just wants to judge you for the mistakes that you've made. Or just maybe... You are the person who knows all too well the feelings of a backslider. You drink of the world's pleasures only to realize that it's like guzzling salt water in the desert. It neither saves nor satisfies. It destroys from the inside out. And now you sit here today wondering, will God ever forgive somebody like me? Anybody want to know how much our Lord is listening and how much he cares? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 records a powerful understanding of just how much. Listen quickly as I share this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was sick, yet for your sakes, or though he was rich rather, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Listen again. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for my sake he became poor, that through his poverty I might become rich. Oh, listen to me. Do you realize he gave up the splendor of heaven and left the ivory places of glory. He emptied himself of the wealth of the city of God. Jesus left all the joy for all of our junk. He left all the peace for all of our poverty. He left all that comfort for all of our chaos. He went from exaltation in heaven to execution on Golgotha's hill. From the throne of God to a trough in a grotto, from an opulent royal crown to an old rugged cross, from the bright and shining city to a broken and shameful Calvary, from a home in the sky to a hill called the skull. You want to know why? I'll tell us why. He left heaven's palaces to save a prostitute like Mary Magdalene. He left the wealth for the woman at the well. He left a fabulous place to save a few ignorant fishermen. He left the regal to redeem a robber like Barabbas. 
He left all those gems to gather a remnant of Jews. And I'm thankful he left all that gold to bring in us Gentiles. Hey, we've got somebody who's listening. And we've got somebody who cares.